Awesome, awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Hey, first things first. Uh, last night I was laying my daughter down for bed, and she said, I said, hey, I'm speaking tomorrow. And she's like, what are you speaking about? And I said, Jesus. She's like, why? <laughs> I said, well, because I want to tell people about Jesus. What I, that's what I love doing. And she said, well, if you're going to be on stage, I'm going to wave at you. So will you wave to me? So I want to wave to my daughter. Hi. <laughs> um, hey, uh, one, I try not to get emotional um, over here, like bawling like a baby during baptisms for multiple reasons. One, because... Um, I worked a lot or worked alongside, served alongside DJ, uh, for five years and, and just knowing him as a follower of Jesus, the way that he's led his family and to see Daniel baptized was a really special moment. Um, but also because we have a GSM student in the room and just knowing and watching her journey, um, it's, it's awesome for me because I'm a part of that in a small piece, but there are volunteers, there are people who are serving throughout the week because they genuinely love all of you. And so just to see um, the love of Jesus poured out through those leaders and how that's changing uh, students' lives like Kendra, I'm just super excited. So uh, it's, a, it's a good morning for me. All right, <clears throat> bring it back together. Here we go. Uh, hey, I have a question for you guys. Have you ever had a small issue that turned into an overwhelming problem and then you needed an overwhelming solution for that problem? Anybody? Just me? A few of us have had some life circumstances. So here's what happened. My wife and I have been married uh, nine years. And uh, in our, the first couple years of our marriage, we were in this small house that we were renting. And uh, the, the landlord, he, he went to our church and he, he gave this to us at a really great price. We were very thankful. Uh, and he said, listen, he's like, I'm going to knock this house down one day. So do whatever you want with it, but I can't, like, I'm not going to help you fix anything. It's just not worth the investment. And so anything that went wrong, we just had to kind of figure it out. And one day there was a small leak in the faucet uh, in our kitchen sink and uh, we didn't have money. So I couldn't call somebody to come repair that. And it's like, it's fine. I'll, I'll figure it out. And so I call a friend and he says, you just need to turn the main water off. So I go down in the basement. I find the main water shut off, shut it off, go back up to the sink. I rip the faucet off and uh, water comes flying out and overpouring out of the sink. And I'm like, what is happening? I shut the main water off and it is just, it's just flowing. And so I'm running back down to the basement. I'm trying to figure it out. I come back up. There's a puddle of water in our kitchen. Okay. We're like, I'm walking in this water now. And I'm like, what has happened? Um, I don't know if you know this, um, but for some people, if you're on a well, after your main shutoff, there can be a five gallon pressure tank it fills up with water, and if you don't turn that off, guess what? It'll empty all five gallons into your kitchen. Um, and so that's what I learned. Um, but similar to that story where there was a small problem that became a big problem, and I needed a really big solution, today in the book of John, John is going to present an overwhelming problem that we need, and we need an overwhelming solution. And so if you've been following along uh, with our series, then you know uh, we've been, we're, we're studying through the book of John, and we've been studying through chapter one, and you may have thought we wrapped that up last week, but we're actually going to do that this week. We're going to, we're going to go back to a few verses kind of in the middle of chapter one um, to see what John has to say today. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can pull those out. You can turn uh, to chapter one with me. And I want to invite up one of our GSM students, uh, Ben Neville, to come up up here. If you'd welcome him up, he's going to read uh, 
read our first few verses. You can grab that second mic. Perfect. And then just stand over here so everyone can online can see that TV, if you could do that for me. Um, so we're going to read through uh, verses 1 through 14, because I kind of want to remind us of what's been going on in these passages. Uh, because John, uh, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. You could summarize John's 21 chapters, um, found kind of in, in uh, John chapter 20, where he says, hey, everything that I've written, all these, these accounts of Jesus, it's so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I mean, we just saw this witness this morning. This is what John was desiring when he was writing this gospel. And so um, this, I want that to kind of be on the forefront of our minds, okay? That's the backdrop of the gospel. Everything we're looking at in the book of John, John is saying, I want you to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Messiah. And so don't read yet. I want to pray. We're going to pray, and then we're going to read this. Father, uh, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for the lives that, that you are changing. Um, and I thank you for the demonstration of that through baptism this morning. Um, those who are, uh, who are dying with you and they're raising to new life with you, God, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Father, I'm confident this morning um, that you have something to say to us. Uh, Father, that your word is living and active. Uh, God, that, every, that you're still speaking to us through everything that you have spoken um, throughout the generations. And so we want to take a posture this morning of surrender and hearing from you. Uh, Father, we, we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. All right, John, or John, you're not John. That's okay. Ben's going to read through the first uh, 14 verses of John, but here's what I want to do. When we get to verse 14, you just keep reading and we're going to join you. Does that sound good? All right. Awesome. Take us away. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was not, which was his own, but his own came to that which, well, I'm sorry. You're fine. But his own did not receive him, is where you are, verse, but his verse 12. his own did not receive him. Okay. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born of natural descent, not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word, word became flesh and, and made his dwelling among us. We, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Can we give Ben a hand? Thanks, Ben. Did you notice the words that were highlighted in there, believe and receive? I wanted to point out this. This is the pattern. This is what this is what John is getting at. He wants those. He wants everyone to believe and receive Jesus. And at the start of John's gospel, he does something really special. He echoes Genesis one one when he says, "In the beginning," he says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." John wants us to know that Jesus was there uh, in the beginning. 
And when everything was made, when everything was created, and not just that he was present with God, but that he was God, and not that just that he was God, but that everything was made through him and for him. Uh, I, I want to stop for a moment. I want you to imagine the wonder of creation. Uh, kindergartners and gen kids in the room, let me, hear, let me hear you real quick. Oh my goodness. Okay. You, I'm giving you permission to scream right now, okay? Here we go. Gen kids. There they are. There's some of them. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to tell you this. My plan was to then pick on the older folks and say, hey, if you had enough energy or if you had the same amount of energy as these kids, but I think the adults have more energy this morning. All right. Hang with me. Here we go. Um, so I want all of us to imagine, everyone in the room, uh, the wonder of creation. When everything was made, when everything was created, that everything was made for and through Jesus. So today, on your way out, just uh, as you're leaving, as you're driving home, look out the window, and everything you see, everything you see the, the sun in the sky, uh, the, the trees, the clouds, all of that was made um, through and for Jesus. And even you in this room, you are God's masterpiece. You were created both through and for Jesus. And John is, he's, he's really strategic about how he opens up his gospel. And he does this intentionally. He wants us to think back to the beginning of time where Jesus was present. Because that is who, uh, that is who is coming into the world. He's saying the creator of the world, the word, he became flesh. Let's look at verse 14 together. It says, the word became flesh. And I think it's hard to fathom that the creator who made all came to dwell with us, that he actually came down to earth. And I, this, is how, this is how gracious and good our God is, that he, that he would send his son uh, to the earth with us. And he certainly didn't have to do it, right? But he, he chose to, he wanted to. And, and you can almost hear John like bursting with excitement to tell us that the word became flesh. Um, but but I want, to be, uh, I want to be very clear about something. John is very, very intentional to use these words, word and flesh, because he wants to make sure that we understand the word, meaning, meaning God and all of his divinity, everything that makes God, God, okay? Um, he, he came down to earth. And, and flesh, meaning human biological flesh. God, Jesus was human like us, like his creation. And in Philippians, the apostle Paul, he, he agrees with John when he says, though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the, uh, the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. Paul agrees, with, uh, Paul agrees with John. He says, Jesus gave up or he laid down his divine privileges. Not his divinity, right, but his, his privileges. Um, author and speaker Dan Spader uh, says it this way. He says that God laid down his God card. Okay, he, didn't, he, he was still fully God, but he, he laid down his privileges when he came to earth. And so make no mistake, John wants us to know that, that Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. Because that's the power and the miracle of what Jesus has done for us. But Jesus didn't just come down for a moment. It says that he came down to dwell uh, among us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
And I can't get over it. It was hard to just like blow through these verses because John is stretching every single word. He wants us to, to understand the, the power and the essence of what God has done for everyone. In, in the Greek, the word dwell here, it literally means to tent or encamp or to reside as God did in the tabernacle of old. And this is so profound, and it would have been even more profound for the early readers of the church and the Jewish readers because during their days in the wilderness, the Israelites only had one way to commune with God. They only had uh, one way to enter into his presence, and it was through uh, this thing called the tabernacle, a tent. And it, it looked maybe something like this. And this tent was portable. And, and it would travel with them. It would go with them. And, and when it would come time to enter into God's presence, not just anyone could go in. Um, the, the priests couldn't do it. They could only get near. But the high priest, the high priest was the only one who could enter into the Holy of Holies and be before God's presence. And so in essence, what, what, what John is claiming about Jesus is that Jesus was the tabernacle in the flesh. He was the presence of God now present with us. So now suddenly anyone and, and everyone can now approach and they can talk to and maybe even hug the living God. This is the incredible thing that, that John is, is trying to get across. This, he's saying this is how gracious God is, that he sent his son Jesus to live among us, that he left the comforts of heaven to make his home with his creation. Don, John is desperate for us to see the incredible grace of our father. He wants us to see the incredible grace of our Father. Look what he says next. He says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And this is where John starts to get personal because this is where God's story begins to intersect with our, our story. John says, we have seen his glory. It's Jesus. He's come. He's here now, and he's full of grace and truth. Take a moment just to think. I want you to think about um, the most gracious person that you know. Who's the most gracious person you know in your life? This could be your husband. It could be your wife, kids. This could be your mom or your dad. It could be your grandmother or your grandfather. And, I, and while you're thinking of that person, um, that person might be, um, that, might, that, might, that person might have some grace, right? And, and you've, you've seen this play out. It's why, it's why they come to mind. Um, but they're not perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. Um, there, there will probably come a time where that person that you're thinking of, they're going to let you down. It, it will probably happen. There may even come a time where they judge you or they say something that hurts you or if things go sideways in that relationship, they may even um, ridicule, ridicule you one day. But, um, but that's because we're human. Nobody's perfect. But what John is describing in the person of Jesus is he's saying this is, it's complete grace. He's saying Jesus is full of grace. He's saying Jesus doesn't just have a little bit of grace. And it's not even that Jesus has a lot of it. He's saying he is full of grace. And not just full of grace, but of truth. 14 chapters later, John will quote Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth and the life that no one comes to the Father except through me. But then John, he goes on, he amplifies this statement in verse 16 when he says, and it's out of that fullness. He was full of grace and truth and it's out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace. He's, he's describing that Jesus is 
overflowing his fullness. He's overflowing with grace. It's, it's pouring out of him. It's like a cup that's filled to the very top and it can't help but just spill over the side. I love what, the way that one of the commentators put it. He says that when John spoke of Jesus's fullness, he was affirming that he had never found Jesus lacking in any way. That's what John is describing. He says, I, when I found Jesus, he, 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 was, he satisfied everything. He satisfied every, every need. He was lacking in no way. John is claiming that Jesus is enough. He's saying he's more than enough. He's sufficient. And then John continues on with what might be some of the most powerful words that you and I may ever hear in our lifetime. He says, out of his fullness, we have all received. And here's the heart of John's entire 21 chapter gospel repeated for us. This is John's message. This is the good news. He says, Jesus came for all. He's here for everyone. And all you have to do is believe in Jesus, that he is the Messiah. Or as John the Baptist puts it in chapter one, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But what do we receive? He says, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Let me ask you a question. What do you get if you replace water with more water? Even more water, right? Um, it's overflowing. He's saying it's, it's never ending. It's a stream of grace. That's God's grace towards you and towards me. That's the love of our, of our heavenly father. If you're taking notes and you want to write this down, maybe a better way to say it is grace is the way God communicates his love to us. That's, that's the overwhelming grace he offers. It's the greatest gift that God has given to all humankind. But hear me when I say this, and this is important. Grace is not a thing that God has given to us. Grace has a name. His name is Jesus. John is talking about Jesus. He says it's out of his fullness, Jesus's fullness, that all who believe in Jesus will receive this abundant, all-sufficient, all-satisfying, more than enough, this overwhelming grace upon grace, and we don't deserve it, and we'll never deplete it. We'll never empty Jesus of all of his grace. No one person can ever empty Jesus of his grace. No one person or people can do it. I want to invite Ben back up to the stage really quick because I want to use an illustration that might be helpful for us to wrap our minds around uh, what, what John is saying here. Okay, I want you and everyone here to pretend that this right here, this is God, is, this water, this is, he's full of grace, okay? And then what I want you to do is I want you to come back behind. Can you come back here behind? I want you to take this and I'll take this really big cup and I want you just to begin, you are in desperate need of God's grace. So if you can come back here and I just want you to start just dumping some of God's grace into your bucket. Okay, just all the grace that you need, okay? And now I'm going to continue with my sermon, and I just want you to empty this out. Can you do that? Okay, you're doing, a, you're doing a really great job. So do you take all that you need? You keep going. You're doing a really great job, Ben. I've never been so proud of you. Okay, keep going. Now, you might be wondering why you have a little cup there. That's because big God, little us, right? We're just, we're trying to, all the grace that we need. Ben, you are so good. You're doing great. Oh man, this is a lot of grace. Okay. Okay, Ben, you can stop. You can stop. You've done a great job. Here, I'll take the bucket. Can we give Ben a hand? Good job, Ben. Okay, Ben, 
He worked hard, but he didn't really even tap the surface of, of God's grace. John wants us to grasp the immense grace that Jesus offers to all of creation. And he says, it, it never runs out. You can never, you can never empty me of my grace. How many of you know that whether or not uh, you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you're a recipient of God's grace? Do you know how I know that? Because everyone in this room is alive and breathing right now. None of us have earned the life that we have or earned the breath that's in our lungs. In fact, scripture says that, that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standards. And so just the sheer fact that we're in this room and alive is by some form of grace of God to us. He's been that gracious. But here's the thing. God doesn't want us to go about our life just living and breathing, just working a nine to five job, just barely making it, whatever it is. He, he wants so much more than that. He's saying, I brought my son to pour out this overwhelming, this all satisfying grace for you. I don't want you just to barely make it. And in verse 17, John points out two of God's greatest acts of grace. He says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus. And I want to point this out, that the law of Moses is such a gracious and good gift from God. I think sometimes when we read through scripture and we see comparisons of law versus grace and, and law versus, but now we're set free from the law, we think law, bad. But it's not. It's not. The law is actually this beautiful gift that God has given us because it, it, it reveals a couple things. It does two beautiful things. It reveals the perfect nature of God. And it also at the same time reveals our sinful nature. John points to the law to remind us all of us uh, have an overwhelming problem. But it's not the law. It's our sin. The law is crushing for us, but it's perfect. It reveals the heart of all humankind. It shows us that we have a leak, if you will. We have a leak in, in the faucet that needs repaired. But unlike what happened with me, Jesus is the solution that comes bursting through. Jesus brings overwhelming grace that covers all of our sin and our shame and then some on top of that. That's the perfect love and grace of God. So my question for you today is, do you know that grace? Do you know Jesus? Jesus is truly a gift to, to you and me. And if you don't know him today, I, I want to plead with John. I want to plead with John today and say, would you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? That he is the savior of the world, that he is the perfect spotless lamb who came and he died for you and he rose again to take away your sin and to offer you boundless and endless grace. And if you want to receive him today, all you have to do is what Paul reminds us in Romans when he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That was John's desire for everyone who read his gospel. And I'm pleading with them, would you, would you do that this morning? You can do that here in this room. You can do that online today. But you know what's all, what else is so incredible about God's grace is um, he offers more than just a saving grace. 
And I think maybe for some of us in this room, um, in our relationship with Jesus, we stopped at the saving grace piece. We said, God, I, I, I believe you're real. I believe your son is real. I believe everything he's done. Uh, I need your grace and your mercy. Will you save me? And he said, yes. And then Jesus wants to keep pouring out grace in your life. But maybe you've not really done anything to pursue Jesus beyond that saving grace. Here's the powerful thing about grace. And I love the way that Kent Hughes um, describes this, a commentator and author. He says this, grace is one of the precious words of our faith. The word originally meant charm and beauty. And scholars tell us that throughout all its shades of meaning, grace maintains that basic idea. Grace is not only sufficient for salvation, it brings beauty to life. This message that John's bringing is not just for those who don't believe, it's also for those who do believe. He's saying God's grace didn't stop at your salvation. It continues. So if you've already believed and you receive Christ for salvation, but maybe you feel dry and worn out, discouraged, Maybe, maybe it's a constant sin in your life. Uh, maybe it's something you're going through. Maybe it's the way that you, you condemn yourself and you shame yourself. John is saying, Jesus' grace is more than enough. Jesus' grace is more than, you can come back time and time and time again, and you'll never deplete it. You can't make one too many mistakes that, that God says, all right, I'm packing up my grace, that's it. That's not what John says. It's out of his fullness. Jesus offers grace in place of grace, in place of grace, in place of grace, in place of grace. And it never runs out and it never runs dry. And you can't earn it. That would be a big mistake to try to go our whole life just trying to earn it. Jesus said, I've already done it. I earned it. I did it. You can't earn it. I came down. I died. I rose again. I did all of that for you. So you don't have to earn it. You just have to receive it. And we do that through faith. All that's required of us is faith. So we're going to continue to worship this morning, even now, uh, for this overwhelming grace. And I want to encourage you to respond. I don't know how you need to respond, but I can guarantee that in some way this morning, God is prompting you to respond. And so whether that's just standing up and, and putting out your hands in a, in a posture of surrender and just saying, God, I have been trying to earn your grace but I need your grace because I beat myself up. God, I, I need your grace and I need that grace to not only impact me, but others around me. Or maybe, maybe your response today is just, is just literally or figuratively falling to your knees and saying, God, I'm a sinner. I recognize that now. And I am in desperate need of your grace. Whatever that is for you this morning, will you respond and receive his grace? Let's stand and worship.